Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you back to the Midgar Minute. Welcome. I am Nick, joined as always by my co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you this fine evening? Oh, I'm doing just grand, Nick. Thank you for asking. Just grand. Well, I'm happy to hear it. We have an exciting episode today. We're going to essentially be talking about the second half of Chapter 2 of the Mm -hmm. Yuffie DLC. But... Before we get into that, we have some special people to thank. Those people being the Mosey Gang. The Mosey Mosey Gang are the individuals, the kind-hearted, compassionate individuals who throw us as little as one gill a month to keep this show's wheels turning. So a big shout out and a big thank you to Ryan, Cameron, Jillian, Brianne, Kyle, Charlotte, Scott, Dan, Kevin, AJ, Petros, Danny, and Sam. Thank you very, very, very much for your kind donation. If you, dearest listener, would like to become a member of the Mosey Gang, you can find a link in our episode description or social media profiles. With that out of the way, Chris, Mm -hmm. we left off right before the Scarlet fight. Now, is there anything you maybe wanted to touch on before we jump right into the fight? Or Um, No, I I think we can probably get right into it. All right. All right. But, so, uh, yeah, no, go ahead. All I was going to say is we've talked, we touched on this in the last episode a little bit, but one of the things that I know I love the most about this DLC was how much it brought Scarlet's character out. And I don't think any scene does her character more justice in both remake and this DLC than this whole little back and forth that's about to happen inside this boss fight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I especially appreciate that. She, uh, Scarlet realizes, like, the type of people that she's dealing with and absolutely, like, plays along to their whole thing. Like, Yuffie's like, yeah, well, imagine if there was, like, a hundred of us on your doorstep. And Scarlet's like, oh, no, what are we gonna do? (laughs) I just love that she's super sarcastic and is, like, just fully playing along with it. She feels very secure and as, like, her life isn't threatened in the slightest. Mm Mm-hmm. And, for, and, like, that's the thing. We find that that's not necessarily, like, a sham. Her yeah, life really no. was never was in any danger. We'll get to that when we get to the end of the boss fight. But, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this fight a lot, actually. I, I think other than the final boss fight, this is my favorite fight in the DLC. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. And uh, it, she's, uh, she's fighting in a, a combat armor that is... I, a lot of people and myself kind of just assume that this is kind of the early prototype of the the prod proud clod prod clod I've been calling it the prod clod the prod clod yeah the the mech that the uh, you fight with her and height uh, against her and Heidegger uh, in and uh, I'm like yeah I could see it because it definitely has some similar aesthetics to it and I uh, well, I'm I, wondering I, because she does kind of comment on certain things about it that like oh maybe we'll see this thing again in the future in some form you know that and you have to wonder you know they didn't have this level of technology yet in og like they were nowhere near this mm-hmm. sort of prototype like it, if, if things are supposed to be a hundred percent in line with og like we know they're not mm-hmm. but let's just play along here here's one of the things tipping you off that hey things are kind of different on this second lap yeah, um, and Shinra's a little further ahead than they should be, technologically speaking. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they're like now because all this extra stuff with uh, with the deep ground, maybe they're they're kind of like stretching out a little bit and be like, okay, maybe we can sort of 
set these things here now just so that it maybe makes a bit more sense and maybe in the future we'll see even crazier things absolutely you know because i that that's something i didn't hadn't necessarily considered like oh yeah of course we're going to see certain things in the future but i'm like oh maybe this is kind of opening the way to crazier things uh because i mean even with uh, the crimson mare here i mean the fact that you know it has like these different loadouts and stuff that you can switch to mid-battle uh seems kind of overpowered <laughs> in a lot of ways uh, I mean, obviously, uh, Yuffie and Sonon uh, end up defeating her, but you know, just on, this is Scarlet's life's work. On a pre- yeah, on the premise it. alone, it's already kind of like, oh yeah, we have this, you know, this, you know, mobile mech, even though it's not not nearly mobile enough, apparently. Um, <laughs> That's at least its diagnosis at the end of this fight. Yeah, and if I gotta say, the my favorite part about this particular fight is the end of it, when it's like you defeat her. But she doesn't really act defeated because she, she just gets right back to work. She, like the mech is literally exploding, and then she jumps out and is like critiquing it, like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I knew these these gears weren't up to snuff, or what you know." Here's or... the thing, Chris. <laughs> Throughout this entire DLC, Scarlet never stopped working. No, no, <laughs> she, she, she was just. just this is just job. another day. This is just Tuesday for her. <laughs> <laughs> It's just yeah, I, I that's I feel like the best one of the best things about Scarlet is her work ethic. It's yeah. it's definitely definitely one positive I could say about Scarlet is that she definitely uh you know, she she's always on. For better or worse. And she's always she's always it's it's almost you know, she's like one of those people that like, oh, you know, if you if you uh, if you work a job that you love, you never work a day in your life, kind of person. That I mean, she's got her feet up. Literally. Yeah, she's li- she's living the life, you know. She's she's got everything she could want and more. And she then... can kick over the press, like she <laughs> could just kick the press's camera dude on the floor and just be like, "Fuck you, Shinra will keep yeah, Midgar we, safe." We got it covered. Yeah, know your place, bitch. <laughs> yeah, don't talk any of that fake shit. Don't talk any of that fake news. But uh, yeah, I I definitely I can appreciate. I I did I definitely came out of this DLC with a greater appreciation for Scarlet because I mean she kind of didn't get much in the in the base uh, remake. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting because I wasn't necessarily expecting to get this much. I mean, we, me either. We don't. It was a pleasant surprise. You know, I knew that she was going to be involved somehow uh, with the trailer and stuff, but I did not expect for them to actually kind of have her kind of play the main villain of this DLC. Um, and it it kind of makes me excited uh, for the future because I kind of want to see this happen with the other directors as well. You know, and and it kind of makes me wonder because it's like. You know, in the original game, there was a little bit of a Tifa-Scarlet rivalry. Everyone mm-hmm. remembers the famous slap scene, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, this DLC, I'm not even interested in that anymore. Scarlet is now way more interesting in her relationship with Yuffie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even interested in the slap fight anymore. I want the rematch of this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. And I feel like it, it kind of opens it up to, like, I kind of want to see her react or... or, or you know, deal with other party members too. You know, I, w- I want to see yes. her, I want her to just talk to these other characters, you know, 
even even against the other Shinra executives, which they don't like they don't really talk amongst each other, at least from what we've seen so far. They kind of had like that one boardroom meeting and that was kind of it. And yeah, exactly. And I kind of want to see like I mean, Scarlet definitely strikes me as the person like she doesn't really care about mm-hmm. all the other whatever. Oh, Shinra, you know, whatever. You know, Neo Midgar, who cares? You know, I just want to do my thing. And, they, I mean, she's kind of almost like Hojo in that way where he doesn't really care about the greater the greater goals of Shinra as a company. Just more interested in, in their, you know, his own stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I, I wonder, it kind of just made me think, like, yeah, does she just think that everyone else is idiots? And probably. <laughs> she, <laughs> she seems like the type to she think She seems that the way. type to, like, yeah, at least look down on all the other dudes and, like, oh, these stupid men. I'm just surrounded by stupid men and their I'm stupid pride. I'm surrounded by idiots. Mm-hmm. I could totally see. I could totally see her have, having that approach. And she's like, as long as I have my footstool, man, I don't really, I don't need anything else. <laughs> and as long as I can keep working on things, I guess. Cause that's... And watching Mako experiments in real time. Yeah, which is, is another that thing, seems to too. Be, that seems to be like a hobby for her. Yeah. Which I found very like interesting in the uh in the remake. Yeah, that's it was like, oh, so this is like and that's what I mean, like she never stops working. Like that is her relaxation mm-hmm. is sitting in that chair and watching experiments take place in her department. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like uh it's it's it almost kind of makes her I think she might be the one of the most dangerous of the uh executives. Uh I I mean eh. I, yeah, I mean, Reeve, I guess, is the only other one I would contend to be, like, an actual threat. Just well, pa- Palmer's a bitch. Yeah, Palmer's Don't a bitch. Don't worry we, about him. We know that. And then Heidegger seems like a guy who really thrives as a uh, a right-hand man. Like, he's not much yeah. of a leader type of guy. He's very much the, the loyal lapdog kind of dude. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like he, like he alone would not be a threat. You know, he seems like the kind of guy that's like, I'll just throw a whole bunch of troops at him. Who cares? Whatever, you know? Exactly. But Scarlet and Reeve, I feel like, are the only two, and Hojo, I guess, obviously, um, are the only ones that I would say, like, they have, like, the intellect that can actually make them a, a huge threat later down the road. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I'm glad that we were able to kind of cement that. You know, because, I mean, Scarlet, you know, an OG was just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, there she is, you know. And I feel like we've definitely said it multiple times here before, but the, the one thing that Remake has done phenomenally is give all these characters a sense of agency and, and purpose in this world other than just like, oh, you're the oh you're the villain person, you know. Like, they kind of, everyone gets their, their due diligence, I guess, you know. Yeah, it's like characters aren't just, uh, they're not just character tropes anymore. Because that's right. something that in the original had to be played very heavy-handedly. Is because, you know, again, we've talked about it a million times in this podcast, but with the limited technology, mm-hmm. they had to make everything as over-the-top as possible to get it across to the player. Yeah. But now you don't need to be, like, the character doesn't need to just be, like, the character trope anymore. We can go yeah, we, They can actually, they can have, things. they can be a character now instead of just, like, Oh right. Well, you could tell the difference between the two of them because this one is has the is the purple blocky one, and this one's the green blocky one. You know, right? <laughs> right. So you know, now that everyone can actually be more visually well realized, now that they now they can be well written and well acted, 
and you know it's not just text on a screen how you, and you can interpret that however you want you know what i mean cuz i feel like a lot Correct. of a lot of me a lot of my ideas of who these characters were were based on my own interpretation of what the text on the screen meant. You know what I well, mean? Well, yeah, Back because the you can't. There's not. There's you no can't voice. Do a lot with text to, you know, um, like, em- and emphasize tone. Mm-hmm. You exactly. Know what I mean? that's and a, without that's... that tone, you you kind of have to fill in the blanks. Exactly. That's like the problem with texting these days. You know, it's like someone could say something, and you're like, are they saying it like this, or are they saying it like that? You know, and it's uh, it's a problem that persists to this day. <laughs> You know, yep. we have not we've not been able to overcome that, uh, despite all of our. Well, I will say, I will say, I will say, God, it's gonna sound so stupid to say this, but like, we've come at least far enough that like, just in case, include like the emoji that sort mm. of expresses the thing. So, but this is or, not a podcast or, about emojis. <laughs> we could just talk. This podcast will now cut, exclusively be done in emojis. <laughs> I want to cut us off right here at emoji. <laughs> The whole Before every every podcast further. will have a emoji transcript alongside of it for all you Gen Zers out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, we get our nice our nice post fight uh, moment with uh, with Scarlet and Yuffie and Sonon, and her just you know yakking it up as always. You know, thinking, you know... Even when she's in cuffs, she's in complete control. Yeah, and even it's like, oh, you know, Yuffie's like, oh, yeah, the tables have turned. And then uh, Scarlet looks at the both of them and just laughs. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, are you fucking... It's like, oh, you proud of yourself, you little savage? Which is like, that. that's like the, the claws coming out to me of like, oh, you're... Ooh. Scarlet, you're mm, Yo, Scarlet you're not a nice get... person, Scarlet. Yo, honestly, <laughs> honestly, you don't see... You don't see Scarlet hanging out with any other women, do you? Mm. She gets you. She would know be super threatened. She's got those cat claws ready to go. Absolutely, she she's definitely one of those types of women who is probably not a huge fan of any other type of woman <laughs> in any way. But uh, then we get we get a nice little sort of subtle reveal here as uh, she she hits a device. That is ever so lovingly placed on the the top of her stockings, on her legs. And uh, then we get our introduced to our boys. Uh, we, we cut down to, and then the <laughs> the title card says Deep Ground. Which I like how they just like, yeah, we're just gonna, we're gonna just move over on into this now. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yep, Deep Ground here, we're, we're going here now. Um, and uh, yeah, we get to see Nero... Uh, Nero the Sable, and our, our boy, Nero. our boy Vice, and uh, get a nice little sort of um, in-universe explanation as to why he is a uh, a VR boss. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was a little weird, but like I understand that they needed, they probably needed to like, you know, like oh yeah, we can tie it into the story somehow instead of it just being like an extra thing for the DLC, you know. And you gotta respect it. You gotta respect the hustle. Yep. <laughs> just like yeah you know we're gonna have weiss in here vice I, I i'm definitely gonna keep going back and forth between those two but uh yeah they him you know say oh these idiots want to digitally replicate me so i'm indulging them and then uh, we get to see uh we get to see our boy chad's the chadster Yo, uh, which I thought respect. that was like a, a, a almost a surprising scene for me because I was just like, oh, oh, 
oh fuck yeah, I forgot he's he's a he works for Shinra technically. He not only works for Shinra, but it's like after a scene like this, you gotta go. Was it his idea? What's going on, Chadley? What's going why do you on? Know, why do you know about Deep Ground, Chadley? What's going on, <laughs> what's Chadley? Go, what's, what's happening, man? Uh, yeah, so then, yeah, we get to see that. And apparently, I have not seen this uh, for myself, but apparently there are other cutscenes that you get in uh, in the base game uh, after this. Kind of, uh, I think there's more, I think Weiss and Chadley talk to each other, or at least, you know, exchange words. I don't know if it's like a deep conversation. I think it's more of just like Vice being like, oh, yeah, whatever. You're not ready for me, blah, 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 blah. Kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. And Chadley being like, you know, all Chadley-like. <laughs> and saying, oh, yes, you're very powerful, Mr. Vice, whatever. You know, it's like just I I, I, I would have to double check and see. Um, but I've heard that there is like a little exchange of dialogue between the two of them because we don't see that in the DLC um, because we don't actually fight vice in this dlc he's actually a dlc fight for the base game which is weird because mm. that it's, it's weird that you can't fight him as yuffie and so on as far as i know because i haven't gone back in and done any of that stuff but i'm pretty sure that he was only just for the base game okay um but yeah i i was i was definitely you know i mean it wasn't that a you know we already knew ahead of time uh before the dlc came out that Deep Ground was going to take some part of this DLC. At least, you know, I wasn't exactly expecting this much. I was honestly kind of expecting just more of like a, here they are, and <laughs> we're not going to see them for a while. And I still feel like that's probably going to be the thing, is that they're, you know, because when we were doing Dirge of Cerberus, I was kind of thinking maybe, uh, you know, they're going to establish Deep Ground now, and they'll be a persistent threat throughout the rest of the story. But the way things go here uh, in the course of this DLC, I get the feeling like this was definitely an introduction to them. But they are probably going to crop up at a later point, at some point, and then probably be a problem in like the late game sort of stuff. And like we, I think you said before, I, I is that agree. it's going to be Vin when Vincent comes around. Maybe it would I be also, a good time I had this to bring thought, back. I actually had this thought right before the podcast. I think I also realized what, 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 what they might be doing with Deep Ground. So you mm. see how we got DLC for episode Yuffie, this sort of intermission? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, like, legit we're looking at a One, Dirge a DLC. Dirge, dirge, dirge LC. D dirge LC. Dirge Le Cerberus. Yeah, Dirge Le <laughs> Cerberus. <laughs> dirge Loadable Cerberus. I'd be into it. <laughs> I'd be into it. I, you know, but, what, and I think I thought of that today. I think, um, I think that's ent entirely viable, um, especially with this DLC and how I think it did really well. Um, considering you know, no one has a PS Five, <laughs> con yeah, yeah considering no good. one has a PS Five, I'm sure it probably did okay. Um, and I think they're going to make so much money when they port this thing to PC. I'm just saying. oh hell yeah. Um, I think it's, it definitely is, I feel like this DLC was a proof of concept for that very thing mm -hmm. of like, cause like I could totally see a, uh, a, you know, Vincent DLC or like a, maybe a Sid deal. I mean, maybe we get a DLC for every character 
who knows you know i don't maybe they wouldn't go that far but you know i could definitely see at least maybe one for vincent as well establishing all the um lucrezia stuff and all that instead of instead of kind of jamming up the main story with that stuff they could save that for a dlc and you know do all like kind of a a speed run version of uh of vincent's story you know we could probably get a little bit of it but in in the greater scheme of things well, I mean, I guess I guess Lucrezia does kind of tie in, you know, being uh, Sephiroth's mom is kind of like a big deal. But in terms of like Lucrezia and Vincent's kind of deal, I feel like it doesn't actually really contribute to the greater overall plot. At least that's the 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 feeling I got from Dirge of Cerberus is that's kind of like, yeah, they kind of they kind of loved each other, but they never did anything. <laughs> so <laughs> they had they had a picnic by a tree once, and that was about it. Um, and then. Well, actually, well, no, Lucrezia liked his, had a romantic relationship with his dad, um, which is weird enough already, um, <laughs> but, or, I don't, was it romantic? I don't know. I don't know if it was very explicit. That game was very wishy-washy about that, that specific subject, but, um, yeah, I could totally see the, I could totally see a Vincent DLC in the future, and I hope we do get it, because I feel like that would be dope. Um, cause you know, as much as I, I can't wait to see him in the base game interacting with everyone else, you know, the, all the things that we've been saying, how great this DLC was for Yuffie in terms of like displaying her play style and things like that. I think that would be the perfect way to introduce Vincent is to have a, uh, you know, a DLC with him and be like, Oh, this is all the weird, you know, cool, and uh, again, gun kata shit that he can do. I think the only problem with getting some sort of Vincent introductory DLC would be that in theory, excuse me, that in theory, the next game would have to end before Aerith's death. And I, I just don't see that happening. I see us at the very least getting to that point yeah, in the game. I, that being at least, at very least, like the end cap at the end of that game, for sure. Correct. Or, or you know, because we still, we still don't know how things are going to go. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe they do, you know... Maybe they do fuck up the timeline and everything, and things happen out of order or something like that. But we, again, not not entirely sure yet, because I I still, well, I don't want to go. We've we've had many episodes talking about what we want <laughs> for the future, um, and I'm sure we'll probably have as more information comes out. I'm sure we will have more uh, episodes about that. But before before I spiral too hard. Uh, I, I would, I would like to continue just a, a, just to push a little bit further here where we get our kind of pseudo, well, no, well, before that, actually, uh, we learn from Scarlet that there is no materia or no crazy materia being produced and that even she was kind of like, ah, you know, I wanted to be working on something like that. But, you know, we're, we're working on this whole Neo-Midgar thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then she reveals the whole plot to drop the plate. And I think it is incredibly, uh, I don't want to say adorable, but kind of uh, oh so Yuffie of Yuffie to be like, oh, you're going to drop a plate and... Like, cause she doesn't know what that means. Exactly. Doesn't mean anything to her. <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't know like which what dropping a plate means. Again, I just want to give them credit for thoroughness. Cause I feel like I've seen it a million times where like a character will say something like that. And even though the character shouldn't 
would have to take a really good guess to know what it means. Mm -hmm. They kind of just let the character know what it means to keep the story rolling. Because, you know, it's like, you got to remember that Yuffie has only been here for like a couple of hours. Like, she hasn't had time to yeah. really explore Midgar like Sonon has, so... She doesn't when... even know what an ID is. She calls it a high <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when she meets up with Sonon here in, in the next couple seconds, when we're fighting this the, the deep ground uh, foot soldiers, who I... I and I, de I definitely want to say that I like what they did with those guys as well. Um, but yeah, we get a scene between the two of them and, you know, she's like, all right, well, they're not making any material and apparently they're going to drop a plate on sector seven. And in my mind, I'm thinking that she's thinking that it's a little like a plate that you put food on <laughs> or something. Cause she yeah. doesn't even think like, oh, what well, you're going to drop a plate of food drop a plate. <laughs> uh, in, in front of the poor people. Is that, is that how is that, is that your big plan? But then Sonon's like, no, that's the whole upper part of the sector. And then it starts clicking to her of like, oh, so Zija was being serious about that. And then it reminded me of like, yeah, when when Zija said that to them initially after the, the Gigantipede fight, she didn't really react to that. But again, she why would she, you know, mm -hmm. she wouldn't necessarily know what any of that means. You know, she doesn't she doesn't know that that means, oh, it's going to wipe out the entire sector. She thinks, oh, it may cause some damage, but, you know. It's not going to literally kill both the people on the plate and uh, below the plate as well, you know? Exactly. But, uh, yeah, the Deep Ground Soldiers, um, boy, oh boy, I like what they did with them. Not, I mean, obviously, uh, in terms of their uh, actual design, they're pretty much the same. But when you're fighting up against them, uh, I like how they're not just kind of pushover enemies, I do too. I like how I they they literally will they do like Neo from the Matrix type shit and like do all these like dodges and parries and stuff and I'm just like, "Okay." Yeah, it took a lot of adjusting to, dude. It really took me by surprise. Yeah, cuz you couldn't just like go in there and beat them up cuz I'm thinking, you know, when you're fighting them, you're like, "Oh, these are just, you know, Shinra troops basically." Right? But then you think, "Oh, no, these are these are Mako infused soldiers, like mm -hmm. like all cap soldiers. Soldiers, so it's just like oh, and I think I I think I spoke to you about this. Like uh, I don't know if it was during Dirt of Service or something, or maybe it was uh, off off mic. But I was like oh yeah, like it wasn't until I saw them here and they were actually labeled as Deep Ground Soldiers, like in all capitals. I was like oh yeah, I guess they would be soldiers technically. Because, like, you know, like, Zack and Cloud, you know, Sephiroth-type soldiers, because they yes. are infused with Mako. So it's like they are, they would have, theoretically, the same abilities as a soldier. I don't know if there would be, like, if whatever their power rating is or whatever class they would be. But it, they're not just, you know, Shinra goobers, you know? And, like, exactly. it actually exactly. explains not why your, they're, um, they're not fodder. This is not your average, everyday uh, Shinra troop. Exactly. This is something. This is something else that you're dealing with. And like, it, it was such a nice little detail for them to be like, yeah, they're they do all their stuff. They can teleport now for some reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like they're not just no, a they standard. Make the enemy. soldier program look like a bitch. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's like, oh, imagine a whole army full of clouds and Zacks and Sephiroths. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty. Because you didn't, you don't really get that 
feeling in Dirge of Cerberus because Vincent just kind of rolls through everybody. <laughs> Yeah. no matter what he does so you never get that sense of like oh these guys are could be a threat but like actually yeah like deep ground could actually be a massive threat in the future like they could play a big part in future events and actually be and not just like hey guys we're here now it's like no they could actually like i'm still thinking that they're going to turn against shinra at some point and be like nah we we could do our own thing and i feel like the only reason that they haven't is just because they're not where they want to be power wise i'm assuming right. i don't know because they don't really they don't really delve into the you know the psychology or whatever uh, they don't really delve deeper into deep ground uh too much in in this dlc which was kind of mm-hmm. i was once i saw that they were being more included in here i was kind of expecting a little bit more um but like i said i feel like that's why they're 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 planting the seeds now so that in the future there, there, they will. There will be some sort of a payoff, and they will be uh, a greater part of the overall narrative. And I know, I know that there are some people out there that are in denial about this, but uh, I, I firmly believe that this will not be the end of Deep Ground, or definitely not the last time we're going to see them, or they're going to get is mentioned. Definitely not the end of Deep Ground. I think what you're going to, I think we're working towards an ultimate climax. It's going to wrap up all of the compilation material that we've ever seen, whether that be by way of Deep Ground in Dark of Cerberus, whether that be way of Genesis and Angeal in Crisis Core. Mm-hmm. I think what we are working towards is we, like I just said, will have a massive climax that wraps all of these loose ends up. Like if Genesis comes back, Deep Ground's coming back a thousand percent. Without question. And if there's more deep ground and we don't see Genesis, that means that Genesis will come back as well. I feel like <laughs> because apparently Genesis is so rooted in deep ground, even though he's kind of he is and he isn't. It's, it's yeah. so weird. It's deep ground is such a weird entity within this universe, especially even even in Dirge of Cerberus. They even in Dirge of Cerberus, if you you know people have listened to our episodes on that. They don't really go into much of the history of Deep Ground other than they were just like, yeah, they were a secret Shinra project that no one knew about except for all the executives. And exactly. no one, you know, and they had that. And I believe I said it when we were covering uh, that game of like, it really smells of just like, oh, we needed a new enemy force to be here. <laughs> and exactly. every, literally everyone else is dead. So we really literally needed to build these guys out of the ground. Mm-hmm. you know out of nothing to just be like yeah we need to justify this game's existence <laughs> but uh yeah I, i'm 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 liking what they do with them so far here and it does make me more excited to see them in the future because i definitely feel like they got shafted in their own game <laughs> which is weird to say uh but yeah i think uh i think we will definitely see them for sure um, without question but with that being said, we get uh, we get our next little uh, little scene here where we get shoved into a I guess would be the actual combat simulator or the I, I don't know if they this is like because the way that they made it seem is like this is the original combat simulator and like because there's the different versions that we obviously there's like the mobile version that Chadley has. And then there's that other one that we see in the Shinra building on the upper floors. But I'm wondering if this is maybe, or maybe this is like a, uh, I don't know, 
like a beta version of it that is like meant to do crazier things because it's definitely it seems like a more robust sort of thing you know instead of just like oh here's like this room with a thing in it you know what i mean yes and i don't know if they explicitly say whether or not if this is like the original or whatnot but it definitely looks like that um but then we get to see uh scarlet and nero having a moment together which is interesting um because this to me was kind of a big thing of like oh so they're working together this isn't like you know I'm there's well, I, there's a working relationship between the two where um nero doesn't see scarlet as a threat or something worthy of killing right and i guess you know technically we could have gotten that notion from when the last scene with weiss being like you know hey they want to digitally replicate me but I guess that like this kind of surprised me more because I didn't expect them to like interact, even if even it's a passing interaction like this, like even that was like, whoa, like, OK, so like they're they're Everyone's aware. Everyone's like we all know what's going on here, basically, you know, and it's not there's no like subterfuge happening, which I that's that's that was going to be my big thing of like, oh, things are going to be progressing normally. And then Deep Ground's just going to come out of nowhere and interrupt things and it's like no they they're all working as a team quote unquote yes which uh which comes back uh, there's a comeback for that later but uh i i enjoyed this section because we get a nice uh, we get another gauntlet there's been a lot of gauntlets in this dlc Mm -hmm. um but I, i enjoyed again i feel like the combat is done so well in this game that it any time where there was just like you know, good, you know, and this obviously had a lot of enemy variation and stuff in it, and it gave us an opportunity to fight against characters uh, that we wouldn't normally fight against. Um, It all felt really good, and I I think it just, you know, it was another, you know, even though we had that last section, you know, choosing between which enemies you want to fight or whatever, Right. I feel like this was just another, like, yeah, if you guys didn't have, you know... You know, we want to throw in this last little extra sort of uh, gauntlet thing before the end, which I didn't know. This didn't really seem like we were getting close to the end at this point, but this is the kind of the last non-boss fight boss fight before the final boss fight. (laughs) Uh, Because we do fight another thing called a a diabolic creation, which uh, I think... I didn't read, I don't think I had Assess on at this time of when I was playing, um, so I didn't get to read any sort of extra like tidbits about it, but it very much reminds me of the, uh, the Genova thing that we fight in Remake, and I don't know, and I, again, because I, we, also, we also fight those botched experiment things that um we fight in the bottom or underneath uh the sector seven slums Mm -hmm. which i thought was another interesting like they're trying to they're trying to imply certain things here i mean obviously more than we already kind of knew that shinra was behind those uh those failed experiments or whatever Mm-hmm. So I think that was just a, probably a nice little nod, but I, I'm curious about that diabolic creation thing because that, aside from it having a name like that, um, I I wonder if it, I don't know. It might be based on another enemy, like a, like a legacy enemy that I'm not uh, a, aware of. And if anyone does know, please let us know. Yeah, please give us the scoop um, because it definitely seemed like something like 
there's not really a lot of like new enemies in this. You know, from I feel like there's been references, obviously, to, to legacy enemies like the Death Wheel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like something like that, it being so unique, I'm wondering, okay, I don't know if this is a new thing that's being made or if this is a legacy thing, but it definitely is not just a, something that I think is just like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just whatever. It's just some weird Cthulhu monster. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Um, so I'm, I'm very, very curious about that but uh I, I don't know do you, do you have anything you want to say about about this segment or <sighs> well i'll tell you this this nero fight i think mm. it, not, it not only was my favorite fight of the dlc for just where it pushes you in terms of combat and skill it was definitely the roughest one for me like it's the one i definitely died on the most yeah it, it was easily the most challenging one too put aside some of Chadley's VR missions. But mm. and when it comes to canon story uh, bosses that you fight, this was easily the hardest one. And it took me a second to figure out his final phase. Mm. Uh, it took me a few tries, I know that. Oh, yeah. But with that said, my favorite thing about this fight isn't necessarily the fight itself or the gameplay, but rather this is one of the best examples of a boss fight that creates an atmosphere. And a lot of that is the mm -hmm. nature of Nero himself and his sort of darkness abilities and darkness powers. But between the music and the way it ramped up, they just created this scene that resembles that of like a horror thriller. And mm -hmm. it's not something I was ever used to seeing in remake like we didn't see anything that could compare to this atmosphere not even the ghost chapter yeah, this is a whole that. other level of cryptic at the end of the day yeah the um, train yard probably is the closest thing you could relate to it but even then it's not even like straight up it's a like a whole different aesthetic it's a whole yeah it's a whole it, it's all darker <laughs> it's much darker much and darker. it makes me wonder that you know i do believe nero's coming back we'll see him again and I do believe that if anybody gets... I mean, we saw it a little bit. We saw what happens when someone gets sucked into his darkness. We see it with Sonin. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, well, we but, do see it We do see it with the, the, the deep ground soldiers that he just kind of evaporates into well, nothing. Oh, I mean, like, being in the void of darkness. Like oh, If, if you yeah. remember in Dirge, Yuffie, like, started screaming because it was too much to handle. Right, um, yeah. I think the scene that we're about to get is... Um, another look into what that darkness can do to you yeah absolutely and i i definitely uh in regards to the fight itself i do i do appreciate fights that have like obviously there there's a clear separation of the phases of this fight where mm -hmm. we have a full cutscene in between them which is <laughs> is i like them but at the same time in terms of uh when you lose and you have to replay the fight it gets a little tedious when you're just like yeah. oh, okay i want to skip it but we can't skip it because it's like in in engine and like the ui is still on the screen uh but yeah i i i thoroughly enjoy like the there's like a story happening within the fight itself yes you feel it you feel that sort of cinematic undertaking or that sort of cinematic flow where it's like and you know it's funny this almost goes back to what we were talking about in chapter one when we're fighting the corneo goons mm -hmm. in the yard but then you just see nayo is like hiding in the background but she's peeking over and watching mm -hmm. it, it it makes you feel that like you might be focused on straight up nero and like the fight with yuffie and sonin but 
if you take your eyes away from the fight and look around, you'll see that this, like you just said, the story is taking place as you are in, in the fight and playing the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even like, you know, cause the, the end of the first phase you get, um, and we can tell cause the framing of this fight is, it seems like Nero's in this room where experiments are done in probably just involving him. And, you know, we can see that there's a team of scientists behind, you know, a, uh, a, a monitor or whatever that can, they're seeing what's going on and he throws you through the screen and then, you know, the scientists all run away, but Nero kills them all. And honestly, it kind of feels like, oh, this is building up to like, this is when deep ground's going to, they're going to escape, right. Or they're going to make their move. And they were kind of waiting for this this one thing to like, all right, well, I guess, you know, I, I definitely got the impression that this was going to be like, oh, this Deep Ground's going to make their move after this. But they seemingly don't, as far as we know, so far. Uh, but then we get chased back into that experiment room uh, for the third phase. And, uh, yeah, the, the, definitely, the third phase was definitely the hardest, for sure. <laughs> Um, cause he has, Nero had some crazy abilities and with his mobility and stuff like that, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of crazy and he was definitely one of the more unique boss fights, uh, so far in terms of all of remake for me. Uh, and you know, we, I'm glad that we got to see, you know, even things like he, he still has his guns and stuff like that. He's, he was using more of a elaborate more, uh, move set that he had in Dirge, uh, when, uh, Vincent fought him there. Uh, which was nice to see, because I feel like Nero was one of the characters that kind of got shafted by Dirge of Cerberus, because he kind of got introduced a little yeah. late, and kind of didn't really do much, except for, like, I'm the darkness man, and I put people in the darkness, you know? <laughs> which uh, I'm hoping that one day we get a further explanation on what the fuck his ability does, because even, even Bro, here... what is the darkness? We really don't know, like, because it seems like he is just made of darkness... Because, as you said, he kind of gets... That's so metal. After we defeat him, he kind of just evaporates. Mm -hmm. And we're like, yeah, we win. And then, of course, we find out that they did not win. Um, and we... I, I like the way that this scene plays out of, like, you know, they think... You know, Yuffie and Sonon think that they won and they're going to escape. And then Sonon sees that he's coming back to counterattack and then he's flashing back between... Melfi, when Melfi died, mm -hmm. and how he didn't do anything when, you know, or he couldn't really do anything, even though, you know, he could, you know, you see him trying to save Melfi, but, you know, I guess when, you ha when you're having missiles launched at you, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> um, but then we see him, yeah, trying to get Yuffie out of the way of uh, Nero's counterattack here, and then ends up getting stabbed himself, and... Uh, yeah, this whole this whole scene, um, I I want it. It definitely hit me hard in the beginning part of it. Uh, in retrospect, uh, it's it's kind of hard. It's weird because Sonon's such a new character, but they did so much with him in terms of like making him so likable, and you know you think oh maybe he can make it out of this. Like you know what I mean? Because it. But obviously now in retrospect, even we commented on it last episode of like Yuffie being like, man, I'm so glad that you're here. And you know, I don't know what I would do if I was alone and blah, 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 you know, all this, <laughs> all these other things. So I think the way that they did this scene uh, is really good 
for, you know... Oh, yeah. Squeezing out as much emotion of it as they could with this character that we have no real emotional... No, well, I wouldn't say no real emotional attachment. When compared but, to the main cast, Right, because, yeah, we have, you know, we have an attachment to Yuffie, even though uh, people did not like her before this. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just what they were able to... For Sonon to have a full arc in the matter of a few hours um, was kind of crazy that they were able to pull that off, but... Not only pull it off, but they gave him enough depth that they could do something that was... They could do something that was, like, just sheerly symbolic and have it mean something, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, in when he gets absorbed, he has this vision where he sees his, sees his sister, right? And he goes to eat the dechow bean, and he, and he can't, can't. He can't. So... Like, what is uh, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Why why can't he eat the dechow bean? Actually, who are the not, only people that could eat a dechow bean that we've seen? Uh, ninjas. Ninjas. Mm, and he's no longer. He is no longer a ninja. Mm, see, now I had I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> and it's kind of adding an extra layer on top you, of it. You want to add, what was all that the chow bean stuff for? It yeah, was for it this. It was for this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right. It it was just like, wow, they packaged that so quickly. Yeah, and yeah, the, even, you know, as you can see, he's having the flashback uh, of Melfi's death and, you know, he's him. He's trapped in that moment. Like, that, what's darker than that? Than right. being trapped in the moment of, like, the death like of the, your like sister. Like, the worst, yeah. The, the As far as we know, the worst thing that has ever happened to him. Talk about, the like, a concept of hell. Yeah, and I think the thing that really makes it extra poignant is that, you know, the music's swelling and he's, like, hugging her. And then yeah. it just cuts back to him in the and room, he, hugging nothing. And then he kind of realizes... Oh what's happening and then he still uh, says it and then Nero gives him the final the, the after after it, it blowing I was gonna <laughs> after uh, he, he, Nero gives him the final blow okay <laughs> after already you know stabbing him with like his wings and then stabbing him with the darkness which I don't know do you think that all the Melfi stuff is brought on by that stuff I think or so. Is it, or is it just like, this is what, you know, what he's thinking about because he knows he's going to die, you know? I think it's a little bit of both. I think yeah. it's a little bit of both. It's, being, I think, it's being helped along by Nero's ability, maybe. Yeah, it's it's a feedback loop. I think it's all mm -hmm. just feed, it's everything, the whole thing is just feeding into itself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. And then we... Of course, get to see uh, Nero pull Sonon into the darkness, and that to me is a huge sign that we're gonna see Sonon again, and it's not going to be a happy thing. And it's going <laughs> to fucking hurt. It's going to. I'm either. It's either gonna be that Sonon is he actually is dead, and his body's just going to be pi piloted around by Nero or deep ground as a, as a whole, or that they're going to, you know, pull the, the whole, you know, they're going to, they're going to bring him back to life, but also make him their puppet or something like that. I, I genuinely feel something um, awful like something that. Like, so when we see Sonon again, it's not going to be a happy moment. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know for sure is that they're good. There's going to be that moment for Yuffie of like, Oh, Hey, what Sonon? What? I thought you died. And then we're gonna have to like fight him probably, and maybe kill him. And I don't, 
I don't Are you ready for that? that? Are you ready for that? No, no, I'm not really. I'm already, I'm already getting emotionally scarred <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> you have to bring that one to therapy. <laughs> it's this digital man. He's so good, and he did deserve to die. And he then was I a have good to fight. boy. Yeah, and I, I truly, I think Sonon. We were talking about you know all the stuff with Scarlet and the stuff with Yuffie. I think the stuff with Sonon is kind of, I wouldn't maybe not the best stuff from this DLC, but it's up there. It's definitely up there. It's like for them to completely introduce and kill off a character in the same, you know, it's and for it to be so impactful. You know, it's like, it's not, it wouldn't be the same as, like, if we see Aerith's death again. Like, I'm gonna be a fucking wreck with that. But, even with this, like, I was, like, getting emotional and tearing up over it, over something, you know, or somebody that I don't have this huge attachment to, you know, and that, that says something to me, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. not, even though I feel like I am more in touch with my emotions and, and that kind of stuff, and I can allow myself to get emotional to certain things, um... Uh, I feel like normally I probably wouldn't feel that way in this in any other situation, but I think the way that they were able to do so much with Sonon in such a little time and make him that likable of a character, you know, for having you know not really much to go on, really, is, right. uh, is pretty miraculous. And I think it's definitely I would something. Agree. It's definitely a shining moment of uh, of this DLC for sure, without question. But uh, then we get uh, a nice little sort of end cap where we get to see a beautiful, beautiful cutscene Yuffie running through a crowd of people crying, which, which I feel like this... just just a pause. It really is a beautiful looking cutscene. Yeah, the cutscenes, the cutscene, the, the pre-rendered cutscenes in the this DLC specifically are way like even even in comparison to the remake ones like they're way better. And oh, that's yeah. crazy to think like, oh, like this is what, this is what, how much of a difference being on, I mean, I don't know how much of it being, you know, on PS5 exclusively is much to thank for that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how much of that is part of that, but I feel like it's like, even in that little, I mean, you know, you got to think that they were probably working on this DLC around the, the same time, or at least, you know, close to the end of the development of remake, you know? That mm-hmm. it's like that this there's this much of a leap in quality and like like not saying that the remake pre-rendered cutscenes are bad, you know I still think that you know I I recently re uh, resaw that uh, the uh, presentation of when they're talking about the history of the Cetra, and I'm like yes. that cutscene looks fucking beautiful. Yeah, you know? it's a step and above like, the rest of the game. You know, it looks like you know because I will still go back and say you know hey. When Advent Children came out, I was like, oh, this is the pinnacle of graphics. And then I look back and it's like, I mean, it still looks, I think Advent Children still holds up graphically. But, like, the potential for stuff in the future for, for this is is mind-blowing. Sky high. And the fact that they can do most of their cutscenes in-engine and have it still look as good as it does is or is something else entirely. You know, that that's a whole other thing that like games games just look so good now is that do we do do we even really need pre-rendered cutscenes anymore you know i mean and exactly. yes we do <laughs> because uh because I, these I, look incredible because yeah this this whole thing with with yuffie running through the crowd as she's crying and you know calling son son on an asshole 
and you're like, I'm not your sister, and I'm not a kid. <laughs> Which, you know, a nice little final act of defiance from Yuffie as she runs out of the Shinra building only to just bear witness to the Sector 7 uh, tragedy. <laughs> Which is like such, hey, if anything, hey, good timing on her part. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, you, you know, you, we see that you're having a little trouble finishing your arc there, Yuffie. Let, let, let me help you out here by showing you this fucking like giant disaster where thousands of people probably maybe even hundreds of thousands of people are dying in front of you and it's uh yeah i think the way that this whole thing ends you know her you know fully realizing what is actually like what was hope what was happening this whole time and yeah, I feel like her world she, got a lot bigger a lot quicker than yeah. she ever bargained for. You know, only a few hours ago she was coming in here and being like, oh, this fucking Midgar sucks. The people stink. The place stinks. <laughs> this whole thing stinks. And then now, you know, she now is realizing how, like, like oh, like, I used to not feel bad for these people. And now here I am. You know, I lost. Now I want to fight for them. You know, I lost a good friend of mine, and you know, now I'm seeing how truly evil Shin. Well, she already kind of knew how evil Shinra was, but you know, seeing it up close and personal like this, I feel like still. Oh, is a, it is makes it sting a little extra. I'm pretty good of like, oh yeah, and then you know, obviously she's probably thinking about you know Nio and the others, and you know, it's like, oh, I you know, there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot going on inside of her head that we don't. She doesn't really say much during this. Other than like this is this is so wrong, and then mm-hmm. she screams up to the heavens, which I, man, anytime any character screams up to the heavens, it's always, it's always a it's always a good feeling for me. Not I mean not like I'm, not like oh Jesus. man I'm so happy, but no, it's just like it makes me it it drives it's that extra emotional punch, of just like you like they're you. releasing all this tension, you know, and uh, I I think that it's great, and then. It gets even better, and it is kind of jarring as well, because uh, you know it kind of she she screams up to the heavens, and then it fades to black, and then we come you know fade back in, and uh, we hear her humming the chocobo theme, and uh, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> you're gonna really just give us all this emotional shit, and then just hit us with that <laughs> cute little chocobo humming. And then, yeah, we get to see Yuffie riding a chocobo out of Midgar, and we can see that she's out on the plains. And uh, one of my favorite lines of hers from this, uh, when she says, you know, I don't think I could do this alone. And then, she, you know, she kind of knocks herself back and is looking up at the sky. She said, Team Yuffie wants you. And if uh, and I forgot exactly how she put it, it's like if you join if you join us, uh, the sky's the limit. And then you know the you know camera pans up towards the sky. I think it was just it's kind of a weird abrupt ending, but it makes sense to me. I don't know why. Like it's not like I'm still happy. It makes it. sense because here's the thing: like after all of that disaster, after that obvious trauma, she you know the way Sonin was traumatized by watching his sister die in front of him. 
Yuffie, in many ways, is going to have trauma of watching Sonin get killed in front of her. And then yeah. watching the plate fall and, like you said, really grasping what Shinra is doing and how fucked up they really are. Because I say, she she saw Shinra as something that always trifled against Wutai. Right, because but the, then war, the war with Avalanche, uh, not Avalanche, uh, Shinra and Wutai, remember that was wrapping up when she was still very young. Yes. Like she was like a, you know, like single digit age child when, when Zack was there, you know. And it's just like, yeah, she probably, you know, she probably knows she was raised and, you know, taught, you know, it's like, hey, Shinra sucks, <laughs> you know, so she was basically well, well, raised to hate Shinra. And not know? only that, like, just in her own little world, like, Shinra was always something that transgressed against Wutai. It was located in Midgar, and it transgressed Wutai. And mm -hmm. then you see that one of the things she had to learn that Naya was trying to get at is like, hey, Shinra and Midgar are not the same thing. Your your beef is not with Midgar. Your beef is with Shinra. And right. Yuffie, because she's a kid, she still, like, she kind of tried to grasp it, but she didn't ever really grasp it. But seeing that plate fall... And seeing what Shinra would do to their own people, I think it put that all in perspective for her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, this ending is a little bit abrupt, but what it does show us is that her response to all of that trauma was it's, the right one. Yeah, it was to, keep it was going to grow forward. up. Yeah. It was keep moving forward to grow up and realize you can't do this alone, mm -hmm. that you need a team. She wasn't really ever in that sort of mindset, you know? But now here she is. And yeah. now we have a reason for why, when she's going to eventually bump into our party, why she's going to want to stick around. Because yeah, she's going to, you know, it'll all be there. She'll recognize Barrett from the Splinter Cell. Mm -hmm. She'll see, like, oh, this will be the next Team Yuffie. At, you know, Wu-Tai and Avalanche <laughs> again. And, you know, one other thing I did want to say, as we're here at the end now, as you were talking about how amazing these pre-rendered scenes are, I, I encourage anyone including yourself right now chris mm -hmm. to pause it when it cuts to yuffie pointing at the sky i literally was just i was Do just thinking this? about that dude her fucking knuckles are calloused because mm -hmm. she's a fighter and she has these like super calloused knuckles and i'm like yo they're going all like every <laughs> fine detail every little possible detail there could be yeah it's it's remarkable dude. and to the, yeah the thing and you know thank thank you to all the all the uh people who worked on it probably worked on those knuckles for weeks <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can you imagine coming back like as a supervisor be like guys i um i have a request from the development team yeah yeah what's up what's up um gotta put they want her on. knuckles calloused um Yuffies? I, I, yeah yeah but does she wear gloves <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but the um, the like front not all knuckles, <laughs> the front knuckles. You want them calloused? Oh. Yes, but it it's four seconds of footage. Yes, it, <laughs> yes. it'll take us weeks. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Imagine, uh. imagine being like, hey, yeah, I worked on the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, really? What did you do? I was I was on the Yuffie knuckle team. I was contracted for the knuckles because it wasn't going to be I was, finished for the deadline. I was the lead on the Yuffie knuckle team. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, I, and I do appreciate still that Yuffie, obviously, she still has her, you know, her sort of uh, rambunctiousness, I guess. You know, she's still, she's still very positive. It didn't break kinda. her. Yeah, she's not like, you know, she didn't turn into Cloud in advent yes. children you know yes. she isn't she isn't some edgelord now 
you know, she's still, she's still herself, but she, you definitely, you know, you can say, oh, well, she definitely got humbled for sure. And is something that like, they didn't need to, I mean, I'm sure they will probably delve deeper into it in the next game. Um, you know, cause I'm sure there will be moments where you could probably, you know, learn more about each of the characters and probably Yuffie, Yuffie especially cause she had such a short time here, but yeah, I, I am super interested to see. I, I, this, this whole, everything about this end sequence, and there is a, there is a epilogue after this, which was a big surprise when I was playing through it the first time, because I was fully expecting, because it kind of, I think after this scene with Yuffie, oh no, it just, it goes straight into it, I don't, do you want to, I don't know, do you want to hold that for next time, or do you, or do you want to, could we go a little bit longer? Well, what do you what do you mean the the, the epilogue. epilogue scene with the with the homies? Yes, I mean yeah we can I mean we've we've touched on that like in two other episodes, but we could we could talk about it. Yeah, just yeah, just sort of briefly. Uh, yeah, when we see the squad walking out of Midgar, going on their way to Calm, uh, I was thoroughly surprised by this <laughs> the first time. I, Me too. I, was not expecting any sort of... I, the, the, what I thought this DLC was going to end on is that maybe we see them walking in the distance and then we see, like, Yuffie step into the frame and then it ends on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, like, she, you know, she like, she's walking, maybe she's in calm or something, and she's like, oh, hey, I, I know you guys. And then <laughs> it ends or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we get, you know, obviously, you know, talking about the beauty, the beauty of the pre-rendered cutscenes. uh, it really shows during this little epilogue scene here. Um, and yeah, I just, I, it's so good. And it, it honestly is, we definitely talked about it in our sort of general overview, uh, episode, but man, does it make me fiend for part two? Like, because it's it, it's everything that we're looking for. We just want to see these characters hanging out on their <laughs> journey together. Like, this was so refreshing. I love it when a cutscene isn't there just to move the story forward. I like it when it's there to just let these characters be people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just like it's just them. They're talk. They're literally talking about, hey, what do you think a full day is? Like, you know, it's just like <laughs> things that are totally Road inconsequential. To the, to the overall plot, but it is so, like, you know, we've said multiple times that, like, those types of conversations are some of the best things that Remake has done, you know, because it gives these characters so much more texture and so much more life and, like, it so makes much. them feel more like actual people, you know, or actual characters instead of kind of how we were mentioning before of just like, oh, well, you know, Cloud's the emotional one and, you know. Earth yeah. is the bubbly one, you know. It's like they're very much. I feel like they're they are still those things, but they are. There's a bit more. There's more richness depth. there. You yes, hundred percent. It, it it pleases the palate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't think because we we like you said we have already covered these scenes, especially in, uh, the end, especially the Zach stuff. Yeah, especially the Zach stuff. So we we I don't think we can we really have to go. Uh, too deep into that just I guess really the only thing I would say is that uh, I loved it <laughs> I loved this Me whole too. DLC uh, I, it, it shattered my expectations in all the good ways and the thing it really did which it was probably secretly always meant to do is make me f- super fucking hyped for the next part <laughs> Because it me all everything too, was dude. all in service of that I feel like and hey I'm not gonna blame them 
because boy oh boy are they making a good thing here and i i really hope they don't mess it up but i don't seeing seeing this makes me think makes me even less worried that right. things are going to get messed up you know and i think a, a good part of it right and we you know we've touched on this but it's like you know, you have the Zack stuff, which is obviously new, fresh, and not from the original timeline. Mm-hmm. Prime line, let's call it. Mm-hmm. But in contrast to that, you had the scene of the party walking to Calm, where it's like, oh, everything, but it's like everything's different, but everything's the same. Right. At the same time. And that's a very, I don't want to call it a paradox, but it's a very interesting sort of relationship this game is having with its audience where it's yeah, like hey look, are... everything's exactly as it should be but there's this but one like nuclear bomb <laughs> ticking over here yeah it's just like yeah we, we like they, and they're they're very much trying to and them showing us the party doing their little antics first and then showing us the zach stuff i feel like is very much like they are purposefully trying to lead you astray with all like, hey, look at all the fun stuff. Hey, we're going to yeah. come. Here's Chocobo Bill. Wow, look at all the stuff that we like know from everything. Oh, Yuffie, Yuffie's on the road. Yeah, but then oh wait, Zach's here. What? <laughs> <laughs> and that the implications of that, which you know we've done a full episode on, of like the implications of that, we still don't know the exact implications, but I know that they are fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it ends up being, it is a huge deal. Huge and, deal. And they're just like, yep. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's there. He's at the church. When is he at the church? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Have that spin that tire in your brain for the next however many months we have to wait. Yeah, right. And uh, boy, oh boy, have we. Uh, have we. And now this is kind of just... <laughs> I love how this is now. I'm literally probably not going to go to sleep early tonight specifically because this is reigniting some of those things in me now. Right. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta check and see. Is there any new? Is there any new stuff? Is anyone talking? Is there any new theories out there? But uh, yeah, I, I, man, like, what a perfect way to end all this stuff. And it's such a, like, it felt like such an extra treat, you know, that we, yeah, like, I wasn't expecting it. And you know, those are the best kinds of gifts to get are the ones that you're not expecting. Mm-hmm. And this was absolutely that for me. And. uh yeah, and I guess if you want to, you know, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to our episodes about discussing the ending, uh, go listen to those if you mm-hmm. want uh, more detail about that. But, yeah, we're going to kind of just, you know, for I think for the sake of time and for the sake of not uh, annoying the people that who have already listened to it, I think we're just going to, I think we're just going to end it here, I think. Unless, is there anything else that you want to say in regards to the, the DLC as a whole or? I guess just to wrap it up, like. I loved it, and we talked a lot about, especially when we were covering Dirge, that Mm -hmm. this DLC was going to be a litmus test for the future. Can they make Dirge cool? And they made it, I don't know, I think they made it fucking cool enough. It's looking pretty good so far, I I, think. Like, I I was a little worried when I saw the Deep Ground stuff in the trailer, but I leave this DLC going, they got this. Like, I really feel like they've got this. Absolutely. I, I definitely, it changed my mind because I also was a little worried <laughs> because we were in the middle of covering Dirge while that trailer came out. Yes. And that was just like, oh, and then seeing how the direction that Dirge went, <laughs> it was like, oh, I don't know. But I think I always had held the belief that if they can 
make them make sense, I feel like it improves the chances of it working a thousand percent more. So much. Instead so. of just seeming like, oh, hey, yeah, these guys are here now. What? You never heard of them before? I mean, they were there the whole time. Just no one talked about them ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, establishing them early, I feel like is a is a is a definitely a step in the right direction at the very Absolutely. least. Absolutely. And I, I personally cannot wait uh, to see more. And hopefully we hopefully we get to see Azul in, in beautiful four K sixty FPS <laughs> Ultra HD. Um but yeah, I think uh if that is if that is all. I believe that is all for me. If it's all for you. Yeah, and so for all the people that listened to the to the end of the last episode, uh would you like to count us down, sir? App. Absolutely, and I apologize of, of beforehand if this ends up going horribly. <laughs> this could this could totally this could totally flop, but we're doing this. Yeah, three, two, two one. one. I think that went as well as it probably could have. Oh, can't wait. <laughs>